Well, good morning. Good morning, Cedar Valley. Welcome here. Thanks for joining us. Um, my name is Justin. And I'm Allison. And uh, yeah, we're here to uh, get our service started this morning. And if this is your first time here or online, um, hello, welcome. We are so glad that you have joined us today. Uh, we would love to get to know you better, and you can help us um, do this by giving us a shout at hello at cedarvalley.ca. So you can email, um, or you can comment online if you're joining us online, um, or when you're here on campus, find somebody who has, um, who's wearing a lanyard out in the lobby. Um, so a couple of the best ways to stay informed about what's happening within our church community and uh, the, the community beyond that is by following us on Facebook or Instagram or signing up for our weekly email newsletter at cedarvalley.ca. And with giving, we are so, so thankful for your ongoing support for the work in ministry here at Cedar Valley Church. And that's through your time, through your prayers, through your service and your financial, financial generosity. Generosity is, is definitely one of the core values we hold close to our heart here at Cedar Valley. And we believe that financial support of God's work is an act of worship. It all goes to help make all of this happen and beyond throughout the week in our ministry programs and, uh, and helping people in our community with uh, filling needs that they may have. So if you have come prepared to give this morning, um, you can do so online at cedarvalley.ca slash give. Um, or if you're here on campus, there's some tables set up in the back um, of the worship center here that you can do your giving there. A, a couple of announcements that we have this morning. Uh, we understand that this, uh, this season has been a season of transition for us. Over the past two years, uh, we've been uh, intentionally making steps to move forward into our new vision, mission, and values, we just want to encourage you as a church that we are a community of believers here that want the and desire the best for the people in this building, but also beyond. And uh, one of the best ways to uh, in include, include everyone here in this conversation is for you to intentionally reach out to a member of leadership team or a pastor grant um, let us know how you're feeling. If there's, if there's something that you're thinking about and you don't know how to uh, talk to someone about it, I just ask that you uh, include us in that conversation so that we can move through that conversation with you and continue dialogue here. Our, our hopes and dreams and prayers in this season is that we can move forward well and heal well and be encouraged and move into a place where the Holy Spirit is honoring the things and encouraging us in everything that we are doing here. Um, if you want, you can write us a letter. Write us an email at uh, elders at cedarvalley.ca. Um, come connect with one of the leadership team or Pastor Grant, myself, Chad Riggins, uh, Gail Dirksen, Pam Drockel, Cheryl, Cheryl Dick, and Michelle Elliott. And you all know that Grant is here as well. So please, I just really encourage you to do that uh, if, you're, if you're needing to speak to someone. 
And we are going to get the service started here very shortly. We're going to be led in a time of worship, um, singing with some music. So there's going to be lyrics on the screen behind us um, or on your screen if you're home. And we really just invite you to join us however you feel comfortable. Um, if you want to stand, stand. If you'd rather sit, sit. Um, it's really just a time for you to connect with the Lord in whatever way that looks like for you. Um, and after singing, we have, we have a great online lesson that we're going to uh, partake in, as well as if, if you have kids here, then please grab some stuff in the back. There's, there's coloring and some other activity sheets that, we can, uh, that you can grab from the, from the back as well. And after that, we have a message from Pastor Grant. He's starting us into a series uh, on the book of Galatians. It's a series um, that we're calling Jesus Plus Nothing. And if, if you would in, uh, just join me in a word of prayer this morning as we enter into the time of worship. Lord, you are in control. You have us in your hands. You have a path forward. You are directing us. Let us be a people that listens so intentionally, that longs to hear your voice, and that is unified in whatever we do. That does not mean that we are the same. It just means that we believe that you are the great unifier, you are the great builder, and we choose to follow you. And please. Bless this morning as we worship with music and teaching and fellowship. I pray this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Don't mind, uh, we just got to get a few things plugged in here and then please join us in singing. Please stand if you'd like and sing along as loud as you want. bow at his feet he has done great things see what our Savior has done see how his love overcomes he has done great things he has done great things oh hero of heaven you conquered the grave you free every captive and break every chain oh god you have done great things we dance in your freedom awake and alive oh jesus our savior your name lifted high oh god you have done great things
been faithful through every storm. You'll be faithful forevermore. You have done great things. And I know you will do it again. For your promises, yes and amen. You will do great things. God, you do great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God, you have done great things. And hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, God, unshakable. Hallelujah, you have done great things. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, God, unshakable. Hallelujah, you have done great things. You've done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain, oh, God. Have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh God, you have done great things. You have done great things. Oh God, you do great. Oh 
loving, compassionate, having the desire to feel us in your presence, and you have made a way for us. Lord, thank you for that way. The one and only Jesus, Jesus and nothing else. Thank you so much. In your precious name, amen. Thank you, worship team. Um, kids who are here, kids who are joining us online, we are going to be playing a video that's part of the curriculum, some of the lesson series that we have been doing downstairs uh, for the last few weeks. We're going to be playing that for you all online. Adults, I in, invite you to join along too. Really fun stuff. There's good truths in this stuff. A kid's lesson is not just a kid's lesson. It's a powerful truth that's relevant to all of us, communicated in frankly, a more fun way that maybe we should be doing a little more regularly for our adult lessons too, right? But uh, enjoy that. Engage in that, kids, if you're online. And there are also activity sheets in the back if you are here hanging out. So let's tune into that. Hey, John, where's your co-host? Oh, he left like a big baby. No idea why, but, but what are we talking about today, Kellen? Weird. But today, we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 24. And of course, I can't do this alone, so we're going to be welcoming our friends, the So-and-So Show Players! <laughs> our story begins with David on the run. Now, you may remember David from all the famous things he did, like fight and defeat the giant Goliath. What up? David was also known as an impressive harp player. What up? All told, David was a really popular guy. David, David, he's our man. If he can't do it, no one can. There was just one problem. Saul was the king, and he, well, he had a little jealousy issue. What do you mean by that, that chant? Oh, everyone thinks David is so good. Well, what about me? Saul, Saul, he's our man. If he can't do it, David can! What? What? I see what's going on here. Everyone thinks that David should be king. Well, not on my watch. Guards! After him! It wasn't just the people who loved David. David was picked by God to be the next king after Saul. Saul was afraid of David and plotted to kill him. King Saul, we've been told that David is hiding in this desert. It's great. <laughs> no. Hmm. Let's go get... 
as I was saying, let's go get. Let's go get. Okay, so uh, <laughs> we're all adults here, right? Um, I got to go to the party. So um, maybe we could wait 10, 20 minutes to kill David. Got plenty of time. Mm. So <sighs> I'm gonna go in that cave over there. Yeah. Leave me alone. Yes, sir. David, David, he's our man. What's next? He's got a plan. Do you hear that? What do I do? Sneak up on him, end it quick. Him chasing us is no picnic. David had the perfect opportunity to kill his enemy Saul, but instead, he cut off the corner of his robe. David, David, what's the deal? Put an end to this ordeal. I feel good. I knew that I would. Yeah, I feel good. I knew that I would. I can't kill Saul. God anointed him to be king, and I have to respect that. I can't lay a hand on him. But don't you see that he'd kill you? If he finds out, we're all through. David knew he had to trust God, no matter what. So the next thing he did was really, really bold. David, David, are you nuts? I'll say this for him. He's got guts. Mm -hmm. King Saul. What? Ah. This thing. You have seen with your own eyes how the Lord has handed you over to me in the cave. Some of my men begged me to kill you, but I didn't. David, David, don't blame us. He'll say we are treasonous. I said, I will never lay my hand on my master. He is the Lord's anointed king. David, rise. People say, Evil acts come from those who do evil. So, I won't do anything to hurt you. David. You are a better person than I am. May the Lord reward you with many good things. And may the Lord do it because of the way you treated me today. I know for sure. You will be king. And I know the kingdom of Israel will be secure under your control. Bring it. Hey, my back feels better. 
David, David, now what's next? The political fallout is complex. You guys know you don't have to chant everything. Uh... Great job, everyone. Let's have a big hand for the so-and-so show players. <laughs> David had every reason to be angry. King Saul was trying to kill him. Being angry is understandable when you or someone you know is being treated unfairly. But what's important is what we do with that anger. You see, David had self-control though. He knew the right decision was to trust God and let his plans play out. And I know it's hard sometimes to keep your cool when someone makes you mad, but take a deep breath and count to 10. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10. All right, hey, Cedar Valley. So there's two reasons why for a while now we've been bringing these videos, these Cedar Valley Kids videos into our service. Uh, first one is we have an entire congregation, part of our congregation, part of our community that joins us online every week still for a whole bunch of different reasons, whether they're remote or they've moved away, whether they are being cautious still of the pandemic, whether they are currently sick. This morning we have a lot of, uh, actually, who would have been part of our service team sick this morning too. Um, but there's a whole group of people, all ages, some families with kids, and they need to be ministered to specifically for a message communicated to their level as well. That's really important. We want this to be a service for everybody. And it's really important for us to remember that this, what we're doing here Sunday morning isn't just coming to the building. It's not sitting in these chairs. It's so much bigger than that, right? We've gone into the world of digital ministry now. We're expanding beyond this. It's things that happen throughout the week. This isn't just a Sunday morning here in the building. We have people joining us online. You can turn around and wave at the cameras. They're online there and there and there. A few different cameras, some camera operators too. Um, two, these are fun videos, right? And they got a truth that's important to us as well. If you can't learn from a kid's video, you might have to go back to elementary school, get some of the reminders of that curriculum, or better yet, ask one of the kids here who's watched it or online what they learned from it. They're going to regurgitate it. They probably picked up all the details and facts that might have gone over your head too. Uh, there's some humor in there that's meant to you know, speak to different demographics, but there is important truths for everybody in these videos, and it's really helpful for us to get some insight into what the kids are learning in their own kids' programs. See, because regularly, our intention on Sunday mornings is to actually have a special service just for the kids, where they have their own worship, they've got a time of prayer, they have a video like that, activities, lessons, questions, just designed for them. We usually partway through the service, dismiss them, they head on to the back, we've got amazing teachers and leaders who guide them there. It's a safe, fantastic program. This morning, it's not happening. And that is because we don't have the necessary and equipped leaders to keep that program going really well at this time. And see, what's happened is this church, you've been part of this for a while, and if you're joining us here for the first time, we've been through a, what feels like a long season. It's been about two years of transition season where we brought in Pastor Rob to help us just assess where we've been, where we're going next, our vision, our core statements, our values, our priorities as a church. And we've done a lot of just we're working on redirecting ourselves and 
making a new path forward, taking big steps forward. Because what we want to be able to do is restructure, revive what's going on here, and ultimately thrive. Now, our kids' ministries cannot be a casualty during this time while we're working on changing and uh, growing. We're in a world with a million different voices and authorities and ideas and philosophies that are reaching at and constantly trying to go after our kids' hearts and minds. And we believe this with our core conviction that it's our job, especially as the church, to raise and guide our children, our youngest generation, into the love and the truth of God's gospel message of Jesus Christ to guide him into that relationship. So let me explain what actually happens here a little bit more practically. There's a trickle-down effect. So for a while now, since we've been coming back to on-campus services regularly, we haven't had the ability to have a fully staffed and functioning supervised nursery. And that's kept a number of people uh, unable to come because they've got a young baby that needs a lot of care. Uh, or maybe it's just mine, but uh, I'm now a new father, three months old, and she needs a lot of attention. I would love for somebody who I you know, can trust to take her for a little bit of time. My wife might disagree, but uh, maybe that's just me. But uh, there's a number of people who haven't come back because we don't have a nursery to provide that care. And so there's a lot of people with talents and skills who would otherwise be serving in our worship ministry, our media tech team that is helping bring our services online, our greeting and host team making coffee, our prayer group, other kids' ministries that are happening. So then what happens is they stay home, and then the remaining volunteers are working super hard, and they start getting burned out, and then they need a break, and then we're eventually left without having regular worship the way that we kind of engage in it. We are left without being able to go online. We don't have coffee. And then you're left with me, and no coffee, and no music, so I'll get grumpy. You see the trickle-down? This is a huge impact. Kids' ministries needs to be core of what we're doing here as a church, And we need to be pouring into our youngest generation so that we can have a thriving and vibrant community that gathers on Sunday mornings, that has ample space for all ages, all demographics, and we need a commitment from you to make that happen. The good news is you don't have to be professional at this. You don't need to be an accredited teacher. Um, What you do need to be is willing and have a little bit of availability. Uh, Perfect example for this perfect opportunity because we want to get going on this. We want to start making it happen soon is this Wednesday evening, we're going to be doing a training and orientation. Uh, We'll be doing more of these as well. But I want to challenge you to take up a step forward into this. Just challenge yourself to try it out for our nursery, our kids' ministries on Sunday mornings. We have a youth group too right now that all need trained volunteers because we take the safety of our kids very seriously. So that takes some training and screening. There's some online videos but we want to equip you to succeed at this. We want it to be fun for everybody. And the service that you get out of being part of these ministries is amazing. The stories you get when you get to see these kids experience life and experience God and God's purpose for their life is amazing. So after the service, find someone wearing a lanyard, talk to me. We've got a sign-up sheet. There's some online videos you can do anytime. And if that's a barrier, don't worry about that. We want to make it as accessible as possible But this is where we're at. We need to make these things happen, and we want you to be a part of that together as a church community. So includes online, too. Uh, All of us, we want to get going into kids' ministries, thriving, and doing it really well. So, uh, kids, if you are here, there are some really good activity sheets at the back that have to do with the video we just watched. You can grab that at any point, or you can listen to me. We are in Galatians chapter 1, verse 1 this morning. I'll try to keep it short and sweet. We'll see. might not be. 
But let's go. So Galatians, the book of Galatians, we're going to move through together as a church. If you have a physical Bible with you, turn to the book of Galatians about three quarters of the way through. Or if you've got a Bible app, you know, like the rest of the world and me, just search it up, Galatians. Uh, If you're searching through, if you hit Corinthians, keep going a little bit further. If you're at Ephesians or Philippians or any of the other Ian's books, you've got to go back a couple. It's right in the middle there. Um, We're going to read through that. So I'll give you a sec there. And Galatians chapter 1. So Galatians chapter 1, verse 1, starting into it, Paul, an apostle. We're going to take a break right there. So this might take a bit to move through. We're not just going to fly through this book. Paul, an apostle. This book in the Bible, like so many other books in the New Testament, is actually a letter written by a man named Paul. Uh, We call these epistles, uh, epistles spelled with a kind of silent-ish T, um, But this man, Paul, is attributed as the author for the majority of documents that make up the New Testament, uh, the Holy Bible. And most of these are in the form of letters. So some background on Paul. Paul was a man originally named Saul. He was a a fiercely devoted to God man, but toxically distracted by the religious culture and authorities of the time. So much so to the point that he actually missed God at work through Jesus Christ in the world, the miracles, the transformation, the message of salvation. And he instead passionately started pursuing these people who were believing in Jesus' message, uh, persecuting them to the point of imprisoning them and trying to see them executed and killed. So at some point there, Jesus, after his resurrection, after God raised him from the dead, he intervened. He met Paul at the time still called Saul, and in such a powerful way, profound way, that Paul was, uh, it completely changed his life. It changed his name. So now called Paul, and it actually affected him physically. He was blinded temporarily for a few days until he could meet somebody to have Jesus cure his blindness as well. It changed his life so much that he renounced, denounced all the things from his previous work, his academics, his studies, his cultural heritage of being this religious zealot, And instead, he started working for Jesus, guided by him, under the authority of Jesus. He became one of the most influential evangelists and church planters, writing the documents for the majority of the New Testament. And all of this, you can do more reading in the book of Acts around chapter 9, before and after a lot of the book is about that. So Paul was traveling around, planting churches, speaking about the good news of Jesus' salvation. Uh, all around the ancient Mediterranean and what would be kind of modern Middle East area. And uh, he would hear from time to time some updates about these churches that he planted. And sometimes good news, sometimes bad news. And he would write a response. That's what these epistles are, is a response to some updates he was hearing about the church. So this is a letter to the church in Galatia, a response. These letters were written in such a divinely guided fashion and had such a spiritual and historical impact that we believe these to be true teachings, not just something in history, but actually something that we can learn from, that they're the words of God today. Um, And they've been proven historically relevant by the tens of thousands of nearly identical handwritten manuscripts that we've discovered so closely in date that they actually are the most trustworthy documents in ancient antiquities for historical searching. So many other documents, especially other religious texts, are centuries apart in different writings, but these ones are so closely guided, so they have been canonized and formed the Holy Bible. This is really unique to Christianity. I just want to make a mention of this, that our textbook, the Bible, what 
what we say is our closest guide and record of God's words and instructions to us is actually just a collection of writings by people, by authors throughout history. We fully acknowledge this, that the, the fact that the Bible is written words in the hands of plain old humans, but inspired by and given to us by God. Uh, the scholar Gordon Fee in a field of study called uh, Biblical Interpretation says it this way really well. The word of God, or the Bible is the word of God, given in human words, so human languages, in history at a specific point in time. But it goes beyond that to the point that it has such impact in our life, it is timelessly relevant to us still today. This invites human discernment and critique into the whole process as holding the Bible as our holy text. Whereas so many other histories, worldviews, philosophies, major religions need a level of mysticism and faith to just hold what they claim their holy text to be. And this actually gets in the way of them being able to be interpreted or applied to modern contexts and cultures and times around the world. The Bible has circled the world time after time again. It's been translated into 704 languages as of September last year. And in many of those languages, especially English, dozens and dozens of different language interpretations that might have slight different nuances, but all pointing with the same message, pointing towards one focus, that's Jesus Christ. So, ramble over. This is a letter written by Paul to the church in Galatia, uh, which is kind of like modern-day Turkey, kind of landmass area. So mostly in your mind, get into your head, kind of uh, like the prairies maybe, more farm, not quite as port city urban, but uh, specifically a culture and a context that would be quicker to kind of adopt urban legends uh, maybe call them like wives' tales or just like the way stuff worked really well and you just kind of keep going on that. So you can kind of get stuck a bit slower to just adopt and think and brainstorm for new stuff. Um, uh, so let's go back into the text in verse 1. So Paul, an apostle, and here's where he has an interesting statement, sent not from men nor by a man but by Jesus Christ and God the Father. So here's how he's starting this letter off with a little bit of a name drop, a little bit of self-credentialing. Have you ever met somebody who always had a credential themselves with an introduction? They always had to start off saying, like, I have studied this and accomplished these things. I have this in my portfolio. I experienced over the past couple of years, especially with the pandemic and this world of digital ministry, that uh, our church would have a lot of organizations reaching out to us uh, for social media ministry, website developers, communication strategists, and they always started off with this huge ongoing list of credentialing that was just, you know, it's kind of meant to sell me on the product a little bit more, but it gets to the point where they have a whole resume before I get a word in, and I just want to get to know the person behind it, right, the product and, and who they are if we're going to do business with them. Um, but often, you know, have you ever met somebody who it almost seems like they have an agenda, they just got to get their point across and push it a bit more, or they're trying to get something from you so they name drop? Uh, I tried this one time to get a discount on a windshield because we have a neighbor who works at a auto glass place. It didn't work. <laughs> so, you, you know, it's trying to do the elbow nudging, like, do you know so-and-so, right? He's a good guy. And yeah, we, we chatted one time and I mowed his lawn and it didn't get me anywhere. Uh, Mennonites... We're a Mennonite-related church. We do this a lot, right? Because you can just drop your last name a little bit. Like, hey, Weeb, right? And oh, the other Weeb's over there, and, and you know them. So, you know, help me out. And now you got the lumber for free because somebody knows somebody uh, who's a penner and a Friesen. Happens all the time. Um, 
Paul does have an agenda. That's why he's starting here, though. He's trying to correct something and establish something to the church in Galatia and to us. He's saying that Jesus Christ is the only authority he needs to be relevant, to be listened to, and in fact, to the point where, like, because remember, this is a man who could have listed off the, all these religious certifications, all these documents. He, was, he called himself a Pharisee of Pharisee. He was in a, a religious and scholar elite at the time. And he's thrown all that away. It doesn't matter anymore. He simply says, I've got a message from Jesus Christ to the point where actually Paul's purely just a messenger here, bringing the words forward to this church in Galatia. See, this is important because the church of Galatia had fallen prey to the many voices and ideas and the noises of authorities all around the world. There's so many. They had taken the message they heard about Jesus that impressed them and changed their life and also started to combine it and say, okay, that was good also, but this worked for us too. We like this. This happened in the past. Or that other city over there, that other church is doing this, and we like that as well. So they're starting to combine things. So Paul's trying to direct us towards just one piece, one thing, Jesus. We can relate to that. In our day, it feels like there's a million authorities, a million ways to live, especially in a culture that's so hyper-individualized and hyper-secularized, really just saying, trying to live without a central authority, without a God figure in our world that supports saying, like, everything is right. You do you or my life my way. And that, the idea of that was it was supposed to give us some more comfort and some more flexibility and liberty and freedom, but instead... There's still an increase in the amount of people asking questions of what and why. Why is the world the way it is? What is my purpose? Where am I going? What am I doing? What's the meaning of anything? So there's questions here. So Paul begins his letter by establishing it the right way, the right start, that there's only one guide to follow, one authority to be under, one voice to listen to, and that is Jesus Christ. So what are the voices that you listen to regularly in your life, that sleep, sleep, get in there, that uh, combined with Jesus and. Think about who you quote the most, who you listen to. Is there podcasts or authors that you go on a lot with? Other speakers, pastors even. And hopefully it's not just me. I'm not that quotable yet. I'm just getting started at this. (laughs) I'm guilty of this all the time. I I love, there's a few podcasts I love listening to with voices who, you know, I want to trust that they're speaking the message of Jesus, but regularly I'll say all the time, but Brady Shear has said this, and John Mark Homer said these things, and I'm just quoting like people's names as authority. Very rarely do I quickly go to like, Jesus said, Jesus guided, Jesus told this. I think actually one of the greatest voices of authority these days are ideas, especially ideas in our world that seem to gather a mass of people into a a motion, uh, whether it's politics or just positions on socially divisive topics, uh, religions, hugely, yes, even Christianity, we get these big motions going with an idea of saying, here's the rules of how you got to do stuff in order to get close to God, or here's what you have to act, or here's the economic system you need to worship in order to have the most functioning world. We get behind these ideas hugely. Socially divisive topics, I'll just be blunt on it, masks and vaccines are an overwhelmingly common topic of dialogue. And as whatever news anchor has said this thing or social liberty activist has said this thing about whatever, and that's like our first go-to, that's become our gospel. That's become our religion a lot of the times. Uh, another weird one that has, I've just noticed being repetitive in my life is uh, what I'll call like wealth strategies. So many times when I'm catching up with my friends from high school or people I grew up with or, or wherever, 
a lot of the topic goes around whatever's the new investment tactic or NFTs and crypto and these different things. It's all about whatever getting your financial security set. And, and that's like the majority of what's going on, like their gospel, their guide in life. It doesn't actually apply to me because I've spent several years working in ministry, so I don't have enough to start with the investment side of things yet. But uh, th that's the majority of what's happening. Now, let me ask you this question. When you come to church, what's the first thing you're talking about? And if it's not the weather or the thick fog we've got, it's usually about how annoying these restrictions are. I'm super guilty of that too. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to point fingers here because most of what's going on in my life is just being frustrated about things that are annoying and blocks. And, and they are relevant topics. They're affecting our life constantly. But man, when I think about it, not often is Jesus my single authority that I use as a start to say, hey, this is why I want to converse with you. This is why I want to chat. And this is why I want to guide your life or give you relevance. This is what Jesus has said. Therefore, it's important to us. I don't know why it seems to be focused towards religious things too, but we're addicts of this stuff. If you go to House of James at any given time, you can see top sellers on the bookshelves uh, with names like, and I found these names, The Gospel According to Trump. I don't know what direction that's saying. No masks, no faith. That's how quick it happens, right? Again, I don't know where, what they're trying to say, but we just love taking Jesus and sticking it on top of some other thing that we want to talk about and make that our guide. What's so scary about these ideas in the world is that a lot of them are deceptively true and positive in so many ways. The enemy's best tactic is using most of God's truth, but redirecting it at the end, a half-truth. Uh, an author and pastor, John Mark Comer, writ, wrote a book specifically on this entire topic. And he has a really good point where he talks about if you take a look at one of the big things Jesus sparked change in the world with. We talked about this in our Advent series a few weeks back where we said how Jesus changes the world and changes the church and changes us individually. He says Jesus was the start and spark point of the majority of human rights movements, women's rights and equality and body rights and children's rights. But now when we look in the world, often those movements sometimes seem so quickly opposed to church and religion. What happened? So what happens so often is these good movements are taken. And when you take a look back, you can see, you take a step back and you can see these movements started by Jesus. And eventually they displace Jesus as the authority of it. And then they simply make people the end goal and focus. And they start becoming toxic. What started as something that was trying to liberate a persecuted group of people ends up persecuting people again. And it's almost this like spiritual comedy when you look back at what happens when you remove Jesus as the sole guide and authority in all these things. So what Paul is saying here, all those ideas that seem like chaos, he's saying we cannot afford to make room for more than one authority as our sole guide. And it seems really extreme. But that's because it is. Paul's whole message in this gospel, or in this letter to the church of Galatia, is saying Jesus plus nothing else. That's the point. And it seems so simple, but it takes a lot of discipline to stay there constantly, to keep your mind there. This was a core notion to the Anabaptist Reformation, something that our church has uh, roots in. In Latin, it was called Sola Christus. Uh, as the printing press began, uh, pumping out Bibles around in the 1500s, uh, people started reading the Bible firsthand in their language for the first time and not just being interpreted through different levels of hierarchies and political and religious agendas. They started seeing that this Bible wasn't a document of who to pay money to anymore and what rules you had to follow. 
it actually was a document, it was a collection of texts that pointed you towards Jesus, and Jesus was pointing us towards God constantly. Martin Luther wrote, and this is not Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., this is Martin Luther from the 1500s, part of the Reformation, wrote uh, in regards to this, I must listen to the gospel message in this book. It tells me not what I have to do for my salvation, but what Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has done for me. That he is sufficient, that he is the only path needed to get close to God. So Paul begins his letter this way to the church in Galatia because as we do so many times, the Galatians believed the good news of Jesus. They believed the salvation message, but they also believed that there was something else that needed to be part of it because things worked so well in the past as well. So we can just add Jesus into this. We can partner things up. I think we do this a lot of times and justify it in our minds. It's just, you know, our version of, and there's so many different versions and paths that we can communicate it. We call it the gospel message, but the Canadian or American gospel right? The, the way, the one that justifies our model of government and our economy model, our culture, and the way we interact with the world globally. We call it the gospel, but the Mennonite gospel. Jesus wasn't a Mennonite. You know that, right? We call it the gospel, but the gospel that centers around my financial expectations for life. We call it the gospel, but the gospel that overlooks my addictions or abuses or things that I just am unwilling to let go of and give up to God. It's the gospel but, the gospel but this as well. The Galatians believed in Jesus, but they also needed more. So this is where Paul drops the hammer and he follows. So back to Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. I read this the first time and I just passed over it because it's, I've grown up in the church and I, I'm sure many of you, if you've grown up in the church, you've heard texts like this, they're just like, yeah, that's right, okay, good, good stuff. This is a big deal and it needs to be a big deal and it needs to focus us and recenter us and remind us that this is not a normal statement. Of all the good things they could remember in their past and what the other neighboring communities and churches and this mega church did stuff that way with the flashy lights or hymns used to be the best way, no authority in their world, in our world, overcomes death. We often write off ancient beliefs and writings as just written and set in a time of superstition and mythologies, but the Galatians in that time understood death the way we understand death that it's a very set-in-stone thing. In fact, probably better than we do. It, death is pretty sterilized for us with modern medicine and the hospitals and stuff. They experienced it per capita way greater and more commonly than we do. They knew that death was the end, except they also knew because of the miracles and the testimonies that God had raised Jesus from the dead, and they were listening to Paul who saw Jesus after he was raised from the dead. This sets Jesus apart as being worthy of the only authority to listen to because there's no other message that can accomplish and overcome that in our world, in the world 1,500, 2,000, 10,000 years ago. There's so many influential voices in the world. Some of them may be intended for good, some malicious right from the start, some just half-truths, some even partly guided with words from Jesus. But what you can find is a constant measure for your authorities, where you're getting your authorities from, what author, what speaker, who you're quoting regularly in your life, is all of these authorities that are just born of earthly gains, uh, earthly measures, earthly goals, 
will just drive you towards people or towards personal gain. The wisdom and words and truth of Jesus will always guide you towards God, towards a relationship with God, towards that experience of love and grace from God. The words of Jesus are about what God has done for you. And the best way to stay attentive and tuned to this, the best way to stay disciplined and focusing on Jesus as a center is by staying immersed in the words of Jesus. Some gospel translations even put them in red specifically as a good way to just follow it. Uh, But we also believe that this whole book, the Bible, if you're holding it, if it's on your app, is worthy words of learning from, from hearing God. So literally reading the Bible is kind of the application point I'm going to give you going away here from today. But I want to read a story. I'm going to end with a kid's story. So kids, thanks for sticking with me this morning. Uh, from Max Licato. This is a story called The Song of the King, and I'm not going to go through the whole thing. I'll give you some context for where it's going to end up at. But what happens here is a long time ago, there was a kingdom. In this kingdom, there were three brave knights, and they all sought the king's daughter, the princess, who was very pretty, for marriage. Uh, And they're all great knights. And so to choose which knight, the king suggested a contest to determine who was worthy based on strength and courage and wisdom. So the king ordered a journey through the dark hemlock forest outside of the castle uh, to pass through it and return to the castle. And this, may, this dark forest was a maze full of evil creatures called the Hope Knots. The king would play a song on his flute three times a day at the castle wall, and this would be a guide for the knights to know where to come back to, how to return. So each of the knights got to choose a partner. The two of the knights chose other strong partners, uh, brave soldiers uh, to go along with. But one knight, the wisest knight, chose the king's son, the prince, who had an identical flute to the king's. So off they went, and after several days, the king played a song morning, noon, and night. And in one evening, two figures emerged from the forest towards the castle wall, and they came in. And there's some questionings. So this is how the story continues. Get to the right page here. So the king and the princess and the whole court asked, what happened? Tell us about your journey. The knight responded, the hope knots were crafty. The knight began. They attacked, but we fought back. They took our horses, but we continued. But what nearly destroyed us, though, was something far worse. What was that? asked the princess. They imitated. They imitated? asked the king. Yes, my king, they imitated. Each time your song of your flute would enter into the forest, a hundred flutes would begin to play the song. They would try to mirror it. All around us, we heard songs from all directions. I don't know what became of the other two knights, but I do know that strength and speed will not help you hear the right flute in that time. So then the king asked what was on everybody's lips at this time. How did you hear my song? And the knight responded, I chose the right companion with me. He motioned and finally revealed who the companion he chose, his fellow traveler. It was the prince, and everyone let out a cry of celebration because the prince carried in his hand the same flute. I knew there was only one who could play your song exactly like you could, the knight explained. There was no one else I would have trusted with me the whole way through that forest. So I asked him to travel with me, and as we journeyed, he played your song day and night. So I learned it so well that through a thousand flutes, I could pinpoint yours, and that guided me back to the castle. 
Your song was with me all the way, is how he ends. That's the Song of the King by Max Accato. See, the goal is here to just be so immersed in and memorized of, and what seems like an ancient idea of just literally memorizing Bible verses is so core to actually hear the voice of Jesus amongst all the other things that won't guide you towards God. I'm just going to end with a time of prayer. Join me in that. Heavenly Father, your message is sometimes so intense, but also so tangible and relatable. God, what you have done for us, for us over and over again, when we constantly ignore you, when we move away from you, God, you continue to reach out to us with love and grace. God, you sent your son to simply point us towards you, to, who died for us so that we can have this eternal life and relationship with you, God, here on earth, not just at the end of time, but you're always bringing us towards you. God, we thank you for this. God, we just ask that you give us the challenge and the strength to step up to help hear your song as it was stated in the story metaphorically, God, but your words, your authority above everything else in this world. God, give us also the challenge to want to do that for other people, whether we're just discipling our friends or neighbors, God, specifically here at the church to help disciple and raise and guide our children. God, too, just before we go, we just want to pray and lift up all the people who are sick and under the weather, uh, that the symptoms subside, that the spread is lessened. God, that you protect them in this time, and people who are at higher risk with immune compromise uh, systems, God, that you do protect us in this. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the time of worship and celebration and this message, and just pray that you send us here from the building with a desire to hear you above the rest. Pray this in your name. Amen. Thank you, Cedar Valley. Just a reminder, as you're heading out, sign up for the kids' ministry training this week. I uh, just need an email or a phone number. We'll get you the uh, information you need. Uh, or if you're online, send an email uh, to me, hello at cedarvalley.ca. And uh, again, I'll just send a member to you. Members of our leadership team are around and available. I'm around and available to dialogue with, talk with, if you have questions about what we're doing here as a church moving forward. Thanks. Amen. <laughs>